0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Engler. I'm one of the co hosts of the show. We are brought to you today by Browncroft Community Church and also the Luma Network out of Saddleback Church in California. We exist to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. And we are part of a series that's on the credibility of Christianity. And today, I have a friend, and we'll probably go into the odd story of how we met, uh, Lindley Ali, and the question is, is why would I believe in God? And I think the reason why this question has so much to do with this podcast and this series is there's seemingly a question of, does Christianity process and struggle through doubts? And so to even ask the question, why would I believe in God?, to some of you who maybe grew up in Christian homes and are far away, it's kind of a radical question to ask. So we're going to delve into it more. Um, Lindley Ali is a professor. He works in IT. He's also a podcaster. Lindley, before we jump too far in, why don't you just introduce yourself? give yourself a little overview of who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So um, um, I always start off with this whenever I do any talks whatsoever. I'm actually a Canadian living in the U.S., which always gives me a different perspective on how the world unfolds in this country. Um, but I'm married. I have two daughters. Uh, we're living in Florida at this point in time. But I did grow up in Toronto, Canada, and um, uh, it was a great place. I love the city. It's a big city. I live downtown right in the heart of it, and uh, it was a wonderful place. I also went to school in California. I went to school in Toronto. I have a couple, like four different degrees, two undergraduate and two masters. Um, And yeah, and now I work in IT, and I've been doing that for a long time. Um, um, Even in IT, I've always found a research-related job. So that's that's my whole shtick, really, is about learning and growing and developing.
0: Awesome. And uh, real quick, we'll come back to this, but what's the name of the podcast that you're a part of?
1: Uh, we have a podcast called In Context Theology, so we're trying to contextualize theology because sometimes it gets lost in its in in a series of statements.
0: Awesome. Well, let's let's jump here. Uh, we want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of this question, but you um, you're someone that's really brilliant. Um, you're a researcher uh, <laughs> by nature, and why don't you share just a little bit of your faith story and how you came to follow Jesus.
1: Well, my story precedes me with my parents, actually. Um, uh, I was actually born on the island of Trinidad, which is an island in the West Indies, and my parents were both born into uh, Islamic homes, but they converted to Christianity, my father and my mother. And as such, I was born literally into the church. Uh, From the day I was born, they took me to church, um, and I grew up in the church as an institution. Um, but of course, you know that doesn't necessarily mean much, right um, when it comes to the Christian belief system. But um, I've been around Christianity for a long time. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly um, and and nonetheless, I'm still a believer to this day.
0: Hmm. So your podcast in context focuses a lot on kind of theological questions definitely tailored to a lot of our audience, which, are 20-somethings that are deconstructing and doubting in their faith. Can you kind of share with us, did you ever go through a strong season of doubt, or has kind of this been a building process of you of really experiencing the message of the gospel?
1: So in context, theology is... um... Technical in its nature, so to agree, so to speak, from a, if many consider it more technical that way. It is deeply theological, uh, but my co-host Jonathan helps keep me uh, uh, keep the humor up and helps keep keep people interested um, as I try to answer some of the tougher questions. Um, and I think all the questions actually are legitimate. I do think that human beings always want to know and in wanting to know there's a certain amount of doubt that comes with it. Um, that doubt obviously doesn't necessarily imply that we should turn away from, uh, but it causes us to dig deeper. And because I do think there are answers for all the questions. Now, some people in some groups may not like some of the answers. They may not feel comfortable with the answers. Um, but I think that we have to realize that there is a, uh, uh, there has to be an answer. If there isn't, we have to have some level of expectation of, how do we mitigate that? What is our response going to be? Uh, look, I, I don't know much about quantum mechanics, so to speak, right? But I assume that the people who are talking about it know what they're talking about. So I take it on uh, faith, so to speak, that, that they, they are right. Um, and I say the word right only in the context of a, that they're right at this point in time. Right? So again, I think anybody going through the Christian uh, journey, um, for me, it was a building and then there was a stepping away to the side and a rethinking of certain things and aspects and then a coming back to and rebuilding again. So that's kind of been my personal journey.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to jump like deep dive into this question, but I forgot <laughs> to tell people we met because our mutual friend who's been a guest of this podcast, Mike Keyes, and John Amayo, another co-host of this podcast, was golfing with you in Jacksonville. So that's the story, listeners. But let's uh, let's kind of dive right in. So this question, why would I believe in God? I think it comes out of, um, you know, I'm kind of giving away my age. But as a millennial, it just seems like if you've grown up in the church and if you've grown up in religion, and it's not just religions, but all institutions – are kind of called into question. And so I think as I think about this question, I think one of the struggles of why would I believe in God is we're trying to make a statement about an eternal being based on what we see in the world. And I guess I just lay that out as the context of this question, now go process it. There you go. (laughs)
1: Thanks. I'll take it from there. Um, Look, I think that human beings by nature are inquisitive, right? And I think to a large degree, it's not just your it's not just your generation. It's generations before. I know people in the '60s believe that they were, you know, like cutting edge people thinking about things differently, breaking down the rules. But I think humans have been doing that since the beginning of time. Um, or else we wouldn't get anywhere, right? We would still be where we were thousands of years ago, or millions of years ago. Um, So I think that that uh, illustrates something about humanity itself. When it comes to how do we work through that, uh, I think there are different approaches, and we have seen over time history. What we now call myth, for example, was an attempt to basically um, describe the world in which we lived, right? And we didn't just reside there. We moved on from there. And we took different approaches. And, you know, if you think of our intellectual history, by the time you reach what's called the time of the Enlightenment, it's a different approach, right? We have this, what we call the scientific worldview, and we want to view the world in terms of science. Um, And we have people like Bacon and and Kant and so forth that I I think are important figures that kind of lay that out for us. Uh, Descartes, another one. Newton, a, a very seminal figure in that thought. So... But this is just what we do as human beings. And I think this sometimes is lost, that it's not wrong to work through, but it's important to work through the process, right? I think too many people are, um, in my opinion, intellectually lazy, right? They let someone tell them something and they therefore take that. And then when it, the rug is pulled out from underneath them, it becomes uh, a difficulty for them. Then they're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Um, whereas if they work through themselves, um, you know, they work through their salvation with fear and trembling, um, the, you know, I think that that's an important aspect of what it means to be a Christian, uh, so to speak. Um, and not just taking something at face value. Now let's be honest. Can I take every, can I work through everything? No. I mean, when I get into my car in the morning and it's cold outside, cold for Florida, which is not the same as cold as it is in upstate New York, um, I expect the car to start, right? I don't work through the details of the internal combustion engine to figure out whether it's going to work or not. I just simply, by definition, jump in there and turn the key and expect it to go. Um, So I think that, you know, there's a certain amount of we can only question so much. Um, But I do think that when it comes to the question of God himself, the difficulty always revolves around this key thing. How is it that a God that is spiritual interact with me who's material? And that's a science distinction, right? Uh, The material world versus the immaterial world. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as that distinction is really important. But working through the process, I think it's normal human behavior.
0: No, we will come back to that. But there is something that you said, and uh, I want to be careful with our listeners, but you talked about being intellectually lazy. And, you know, just... You know, kind of, you and I just could talk all day about this. This is as if we're having coffee together in Jacksonville. What, when I was listening to you, I was trying to kind of think about if I'm sitting with an atheist who might be intellectually lazy, if I'm sitting with an agnostic who's intellectually lazy, and then if I'm th- sitting with someone that believes that there's a God and a higher power that's intellectually lazy, and then I'm sitting with a Christian that's intellectually lazy, why don't you walk through those four categories? Because I think to this question, like that's kind of, in in many ways, it's either who I'm hearing it from, what I grew up with, and um, I'd just be curious how you'd walk through with each of those four people.
1: Well, so my philosophical training uh, tends to lead me in the direction of basically asking each and every one of them why they hold the positions that they do it's not about the results I'm looking for. What I'm looking for are the underlying premises that they believe to be true. It is those premises, whether you're at the one end of the spectrum, a full-blown evangelical Christian, another end of the spectrum, an atheist, there are underlying premises that undergird what you believe. Now, this is important because, as you said, the sources for those belief systems come from different things, some of it from your friends, your family, some of it from the 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 educational background that you have some of it from you know what you what your experiences were and you said hey i you know this i tried this and it didn't work i didn't get any value out of it so i jettisoned it and moved on to something else so you know i don't see the four categories as unique i see them as if i want to walk through with each and every one of them like like the atheist, i would ask him why do you hold that position what brought you to that and you'll typically find that they by definition have said There's nothing immaterial. The world is simply as it is, material world, and therefore there cannot be a God, right? But that's a premise. That's not an actual proof statement. That's impossible to prove. And we've had these arguments back and forth. It is impossible to prove God, and it is impossible to prove there is no God. That, that's kind of where we ended up, because the premises are different in each one of those arguments. The same thing with the agnostic. Uh, I think saying that that I'm not sure, but there may be a God, there may not be a God, um, that's a position that's held by some. Uh, Martin Heidegger, the existentialist philosopher, held that position. Um, but again, saying, I don't know. And then he said, I don't know how to get to know. And and I think that was an honest uh, comment by him. But again, it's the same story. What are your premises? What calls you to even start on direction? And the same thing by analogy would apply to a a spirit person of spirituality, why do you think that, well, I think everyone's spiritual, so to speak, right? And then, of course, the Christian says, well, I grew up in church or I had a personal experience. And then from there, my journey began. Um, but each one of them has different set of underlying principles.
0: Mm. I think that that's really helpful for anybody, wherever they are in those four categories. Let Let's come back to, because you came back to it again, this odd tension of living in a material world with a spiritual God. Cause at least with three or four of those, like you're wrestling with a spiritual God and how that impacts life. How, how do you philosophically walk through that tension and what questions would you ask? Or yeah, just kind of walk (laughs) us through that.
1: (laughs) Um, that sounds like the, you know, the faith and reason sort of a distinction. I think that's popular out there, but, um, It's it's a very difficult thing. Look, uh, you know, I think that philosophy helps us to put some guardrails and some categories around how we think about things. That's the power of philosophy, to help us organize our thoughts in that manner. Um, For me personally, I think it is important that individuals take a look at who they are, where they are, where they exist, what they're going through. And many times what they're going through is going to affect what they want to think about and how they think about a situation—it may not be perfect, but it's exactly what it is. Um, but I think that from a philosopher's perspective, I start with like an existentialist approach, and I say to myself, "What is the human condition?" And I realize that that human condition is the same for all of us. Now, Paul and his Saint Paul in his writings describes it as you know the impact of sin on all of us. "Quote the sin of Adam," right? So it's impacted all of us. Um, if you're a materialist right? You would take a difference and say, well, evil is in the world and the, the sufferings that we have are just a byproduct of the world in which we live, right? Nothing is perfect in this world, and therefore imperfect systems lead to imperfection in our lives. Um, so that's another approach. So I think there are different approaches. Again, we, we fall back to that sort of thing is, as my personal experience, what do I see happening and how does it? what does it mean to me? Now, how can it lead to God? Well, I think I think that's where the tie into to Christianity is extremely important. Because what Christianity's claim is, is that Jesus is the exact representation in every way, shape, and form of the Father who is in heaven. Um, and, you know, we'll skip through the, the doctrine of the Trinity for a second, but this is exactly what Jesus' claim was and what makes him so unique and so special. In that he is the representation of the Father, and he did come into our space and time and as such, then, makes God reachable. Because for many people, they feel God is unreachable, right? That he's, he's over there, he is, you know, holy other, to use a phrase from Karl Barth, right? That God is, is not imminent, but uh, away from us, right? Far and away from us. Um, so I think that's a distinction. That's something that we learn, and we, we learn more about that. If we turn to the Christian faith, we turn to the fact that Christ is the representation of God and he experiences life in the same way that we do. And to me, that's the bridge builder of Christianity.
0: I, so as you were talking, um, I know we're kind of going off script, but I just I really appreciate you because you sound like someone that's really processed through these questions. I don't want to talk about the, the center to um, kind of uh, there's a higher power or I'm agnostic, but if you take being a Christian, and you take atheism i think even what i'm hearing you saying is there are some logical outcomes and conclusions if you really believe it um a lot of times too we focused on christianity there's a lot like the way that you see individuals the way that you see human beings there's a logical outcome that can be challenged but there's also a logical outcome to atheism that you could actually make the argument that both sides um, are hypocritical in the sense of if you take this out to its logical conclusion, why don't you talk a little bit about that?
1: So now we go, go down the sort of an ethical thinking about it, right? And, and I think you're right here. Um, if one is extremist and holds extreme positions, the end result is is not success for anyone, right? I, I think there, the fact is we have to admit that some of the things that we think are fundamental are not necessarily fundamental. They're secondary, tertiary sort of, uh, of ideas and so forth. Uh, the same applies to both. I think the distinction is, is, that, is that when I talk about a Christian, hopefully, hopefully they reach the conclusion that there is hope, that there is joy, that there is understanding, true understanding of who we are in relation to the universe as a whole. Whereas I think, unfortunately, for the, for the atheist, the end is simply the end. If you're simply a materialist, I think you're going to end up in a place that has no real justification for a lot of things that we continue to think are part and parcel of human existence. Now, here's the difficulty. Many of the people I see asking these types of questions who claim to be on the atheist side have really began their journey from within a framework of thinking that is Christian in nature or Judeo-Christian, right? And as such, they bring with them a set of principles unknown to them to work through their thinking. And yet while they're dragging through these Christian principles, right? uh, They are somehow jettisoning different pieces and parts along the way till they reach this conclusion. Well, there is no immaterial world and therefore there is no God. And as such, here I am, and when I die, I shall rot. Um, I think that's um, a mistake that Western culture at large has missed on, which is the fact that a lot of the thinking within the Enlightenment carried forward into even to our postmodern sort of context, is that we have brought with us a framework for thinking about things, which is Western in nature, which is Greek in its original thought, and then sort of modified through people like Augustine, Aquinas, etc., cetera, um, to where we are to this day. So they're not as far apart as one may think, because they're closely related in their origins. So
0: let's go deeper. I, I love what you said. I, I just was captured by you're bringing... Christian principles or Western principles into this framework of thinking. Walk. What's a concrete principle that you see someone kind of walking in that they might not realize is actually Christians in root or atheist in? I mean, walk us through that.
1: Well, here's a simple example to illustrate that. And you know, the golden rule, right? One of the golden rules is, you know, like do unto others, right? Now we know where that stems from, right? That's a, you know, uh, sort of a biblical sort of uh, approach. Um, but here's, here's what we have is we have now, a, we, have agno, we have agnostics and atheists wanting to believe in the, the best of human, humanity, right? That we are going to be humanists and we are going to elevate one another. We're going to improve and change, evolve over time. We're going to be better and better and better. Um, and so I think that's, while in principle, both would argue for that, the root of it actually is a Christian notion and not necessarily um, um, an evolutionary idea, right? If you take uh, sort of like a a Darwinian approach to things, success is a function of many things, one of them being the need to reproduce, so to speak. Um, And and we could talk about that, but I think that there has to be a modification to somehow along the way, human beings didn't just exist to, reproduce but something about them created society created brains uh, our brains became bigger whatever the case may be we have to have why did something like being kind to your neighbor become an important aspect now they would argue that that's a necessity to keep society going and i think that's where they start to waffle and hand wave so to speak as we say in philosophy because it's not really based on any criteria for saying that other than that it exists but my claim would be it's rooted in its Christian heritage, right? And that, by definition, is what it means to be a Christian, and it works its way into atheistic thinking, and they have to try and find an answer for it. And I don't think the answer that they propose is good enough.
0: So let's go into the other side of that because Christianity is it's an Eastern religion, um, you know, and, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit. How, how are we in the West superimposing our Western thinking into something that's Eastern, and how does it affect us with this question, why would I
1: believe in God? Okay, so I'm not sure I'm fully on board with the premise that Christianity is Eastern, and therefore we are Western. What I want to say is simply this, that Christianity began in a particular place and time, and that we we know is you know modern day you know Israel Palestine sort of that part of the world, I think that that has changed and evolved over time. Partly in the as the church grew, it adopted different ideas from different parts of the world as it grew in expansion. Right? I mean, if you think of the where the church was in the first hundred years, you know, primarily in Jerusalem, but it quickly spread through other parts of the world, adopting new ideas. In fact, you know we have, you know, Greek thinking starts to influence us. And not in a negative way, but Greek thinking, which really is Western thinking, Greek thinking, I think is the ideal categories for helping us capture some difficult concepts. The concept of the logos, the concept of the soul, the concept of of man uh, in this world, what does it mean? What is virtue? These are all good things talked about in Greek culture. So though Christ came into a particular place in time, he has to be relevant not only in that place, but he has to transcend that time. So that's why I'm not fully on board with thinking that Christianity is only an Eastern construct. It actually is a transcendent construct. It transcends space and time. It has to, or else we end up like, uh, in my opinion, Islam, which is tied to a particular place and time, right, and a particular way and culture of existing, um, which becomes more and more difficult as we move into the different parts of, uh, as time unfolds. So that is a difference, I think, between the two different um, the two different religions, per se. But again, Western ideology and Western thinking has its roots. Martin Heidegger talks about this a lot, has its roots in Greek thinking. So it's not that far off, so to speak, um So I don't see them as radically different or orthogonal to one another, but I see them in parallel and one adopting the other one.
0: Mm. Do you, I want to kind of come personal and then, you know, because I think that this conversation has been really helpful. Um, You know, I was just, I don't know if you read the article. um, It's with um, Ayaan Hirsi Ali, who just wrote an article about why she just became a Christian. And it's a lot mm. about what you've been talking about where you like kind of having the logical conversation its very c.s lewis way so lindley i want to ask you something because my friend sherwin who we've had on the podcast we asked the question why is jesus the only way he grew up um he lived in guyana and then he lived in jamaica then he lived in uh rochester so which one of those doesn't fit and you're someone that, I, you know, I believe that you were born um, in the Caribbean, I think that's what you said, mm-hmm. and then you lived in Toronto, now you're in Jacksonville by way of California. You know, you also mentioned that your family's Islamic. As you personally reflect on your story of why would I believe in God and all the things that you've been through, what are some unique aspects of growing up in a home that went from um, believing in Islam and practicing to practicing Christian, like... What were some things that you notice that you look back and you're just, as it enters this
1: conversation? So my parents converted to Christianity at a young age, at the age of 21 and, and you know, 18, you know, when my mom and dad met. Um, and so I was born, I, they were already Christians by the time I was born. So, But I did see other relatives who remained Islamic. Um, there was actually within my father's side of the family and my mother's side, uh, many of their brothers and sisters converted to Christianity as well, based on what they saw happening to my father and to my mother. So they had an impact on those around them, but not everyone, right? Not everyone said, oh, I, I think you're right. Um, I saw others not practicing the religion as much, but I think I've seen them adopt a stronger stance. They were what I would call cultural Muslims, and now they've become much more um, hardcore in their belief system um, than they ever did. And so when I encountered them, um, it's funny, they become very repetitive. They are not really thinking about what they say. They just repeat what they've been told to say. And we have this in Christianity as well, where people just simply cite an answer as if somehow that's good enough. It's not really because they back to our original point, they haven't really worked through it. They're intellectually lazy, I would say. Um, And the same thing applies to many of my cousins and a couple of my aunts and uncles. Um, It is difficult to understand why they don't. I really, I'm confounded by the fact that they haven't adopted. But I do think that somehow in the West, in the East, in the Far East, I think we have muddled together religion, culture, language. And when these things become muddled together, they become hard to, um, to disentangle them. And therefore, it becomes difficult for people to know what's right or wrong, what's what's the right approach, what's the best approach. I want to keep my culture, but that means I have to keep Islam as well. I want to keep my language, that means I have to keep with, you know. With X or you know, Buddhism or whatever the case may be, or Hinduism as such. So I think that this entanglement of culture, religion, existence in, in, in particular place and time, geographies, and so forth, makes it difficult to disentangle all that.
0: Process, that, that is so. Um, I think you simplified in a very powerful way and articulated something that a lot of people feel. Um, and I can only speak as someone that's grown up in America their whole life, but take an issue, I mean, I don't know, I'll throw out something like suffering or, you know, just even the existence of God and walk through, I mean, you can even pick one, walk through those three areas of, of where things get complicated. Cause I think that that's super helpful for our listeners.
1: So let's take a look at the existence of God. So I think historically, almost there's been religion everywhere, right? Some version of religion has existed before time, and and uh, if you read Justin Barrett's book, you'll say why is why do people believe in God? And you know he tries to answer that from a cognitive science perspective and you know uh, evolutionary biology and he tries to make the claim that there is something within all of us that is uh, attuned to, to god. So I think that we have from a religion that everybody has kind of there's been some form of religion. I don't know of any group of people that don't have a concept of a being higher than themselves historically. Uh, I think uh, atheism is a relatively modern uh term. I mean, there have been people who denied that God existed, but not to the extent that we do today. Um, you know, there have been people along the way who said there is no God and this is the end of it, the materialists, the Stoics, um, the Epicureans, sorry, um, for example. But I do think as we walk through that to your point, there's been there's been a historical cultural legacy, and this is back to your point about your question, uh, um, that entails a belief in a God system. And through various shifts and forms and being impacted by other ideas, some people continue to believe in that God because it suits their purpose, right? Whether politically, whether it be from a political ideology, whether it be an economic theory, um, or whether it be from some sort of other sort of social aspect that they want, we see that they maintain an integrity and belief in God. Others say, no, this is in conflict with what I want to do, and therefore jettison God from that. So we can see that this entanglement of culture, views, et um, ideologies, various ideologies that we have, social political theory, get intertwined together. And therefore, many times, people saying, I am an atheist or I am a Christian, isn't really attached to the experience that, may, that a Christian should have with Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior versus the atheist who basically says, I I just don't see it. I I don't see any value in it. I'm throwing it out. The world is material. There's no need for that sort of stuff. So I think that's the evolution of it, to be honest, Peter.
0: Mm. So let me me kind of try this on for size. Um, I'm just going to process through that framework. Um, So I grew up in Endicott, New York, where IBM started. My parents, like, they grew up Catholic, Um, and later came to follow Jesus and ended up becoming Protestant. So there's a Catholic kind of cultural religious influence there. Um, and actually Mm -hmm. language has a lot to do with it because back Mm -hmm. when my parents became Christians, a lot of the Catholic churches were still in Latin. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it would be philosophical and theological malpractice for me not to see you live i mean i grew up two blocks or three blocks away from where international business machine ibm started and to not realize like i think one of my biggest struggles and still to this day is how often am i asking god to grant the american dream in my heart um i'm I'm at so it's kind of like you know I have a vision for my life of the way I want it to go and like it, it's so subtle, um, just with dreams and ambitions. And so even for someone like me, that's grown up in America, I have to be willing to kind of look at all that. Cause all three of those filters somewhat come together. And even <laughs> let's say too, um, somebody, uh, you know, Somebody says, well, I'm not affected too much by, by like the language, but in a lot of ways, even with the language, there's certain things that we say, the fact that when we say love in America, you know, the Greeks have four words for that. And we're, we're constantly trying to observe and we do it quickly, but we're not putting that all together. And I I think what you're saying is no matter where you land with the process of this question, why would I believe in God? If you you're doing malpractice if you don't see the influences in your life. And again, not saying any of those institutions are bad, not saying that yeah. capitalism, the American dream, not saying that catholics or, you know, protestant Christianity, but we're humans and these are and as a pastor I would say these are broken systems at, even at their best. So to answer that question, why do I believe in God or why would I believe in God? I need to be a student of myself in an objective way. Does that sound right? Or how would you push back on that?
1: No, I wouldn't push back at all. That's 100% correct. This goes back to what we said at the beginning, is trying to understand the premises. If I'm asking an atheist or a Christian what they believe and why they believe in them, the underlying premises, those are the things that we're going to look at, actually. And I need to be introspective. I need to be self-reflective on this thing. I need to reflect on these ideas honestly and truly and ask myself, should my Christianity be dependent upon my financial status? Should my Christianity be dependent upon the fact that I use a particular language? Should my Christianity depend on a certain part of where I live in this world? Right? Uh, I can be a good Christian if I live in America. I'm, I, it's no point being a Christian if I live in, you know, if I live in Iran. So, for example, but the fact of the matter is, as we said earlier, Christianity needs to transcend space and time, right? These systems, as you said, every one of them is flawed in some way, is broken in some way, and as such, can never satisfy to the nth degree, nor will they, ever, they always be there. So, if we look at, for example, the American dream, as a good example, we're both living in the U.S. at this point in time, if we look at that dream, I think the definition And the satisfaction of that dream has changed and morphed, as we would see it in what we call the golden era, uh, historically called the golden era in the '50s and the '60s. Right? Then came the war. Then came the sexual revolution. Then came the the me generation. And now we have I don't know what you call it today, Um, but but we do have the you know we have this is the underlying currents that we have to look at about you know how things evolve and change over time. No system is perfect in and of itself. Uh, let me give you a, a real-world example, the, the women's movement, right? So if you look at the women's movement, you look at a Betty Friedan and what she has to say in the 50s about the women's movement, it's very different than if you read someone like, uh, I think her name's Naomi Wolf right now, in, you know, in the 20 in the 21st century, right? She's, even those basic ideas have an evolution of themselves, right? Christianity has to maintain its integrity in terms of its its propositional statements as far as I'm concerned, right? Something like the Apostles' Creed, And yet it has to be able to adapt to the time and the culture in which it exists. Now, we very much live in a relativistic world where we get to be the judge of so many things and we get to make those assessments. But I do think that working through those different things, uh, realizing the underlying components of what we believe and saying they're important but they're not critical to what I believe, should help us to sift the wheat from the chaff intellectually anyway.
0: Well, and a lot of what you're saying is, um, you know, we're recording this uh, before Thanksgiving and this is going to come out in 2024. It's almost as if you're saying, like, when you get the Christmas lights out, it's more tangled than you think. And you have to just <laughs> untangle all of these lights because if you don't do that work in self reflection. So we focused a lot on Christianity and atheism, which. I actually just think it's helpful to frame um literally if you're watching on TV frame this discussion what I want to talk to you a little bit about cuz it's a newer phenomenon is um being an agnostic or I I do believe in God, I believe in a higher power, but I'm not um I'm not willing to land somewhere. And again, I I want to be careful cuz our listeners if you've made it this far, you're obviously intrigued, so I don't want to be offensive but just kind of walk us through those two areas and just kind of the questions because i i think that that's important as you're saying this is a newer phenomenon
1: yeah so those two inner you know categories i think if i can call them that uh, i think what happens here is 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 almost uh and I mean this, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's kind of like throwing your hands up and saying, like, I can't get through it all. I don't know what to think. Um, and it's not that these people have been intellectually lazy. I think some of them are. But in this particular case, if we talk about the genuine ones, they seem to understand that there is something beyond ourselves, right? Uh, maybe Justin Barrett is right. Maybe there is that God part of us in our brains having evolved that way. And we just are unsatisfied and empty. But we don't know how to fulfill that. For the agnostic, he says... Or he or she says, wow, I just don't know how to answer this. What should I do? Um, And they don't know where to turn, right? I mean, I can't read all these books back here to, you know, get through what I need to understand. Um, You know, and, and unfortunately, the shortcut answers and the, you know, and the, you know, the 144 character you know, statements are are not enough to really be convincing. So they're kind of stuck in no man's land, in my opinion, with not sure what to do next. And I think that's probably the worst place to be because that, that lack of direction, it, it, it's it's like a swamp. It's like a, you know quicksand. It pulls you down further and further and further, and you seem to get nowhere. In my opinion, so I think that's some of the part of the complexity of what it means and happens in that those inner sort of categories. Um, but again, they're genuine. They're looking for something. I think it's it's hard work, but I think honestly there are answers to kind of either hopefully push you to the to, into the Christian way of thinking and understanding and to an experience with Jesus Christ. Versus pushing into the other direction, which is an atheist, a fully atheistic position, which I think is hard to maintain, so to speak. In all honesty,
0: I want to come back to something you said about 15 minutes ago that I I think it's pretty powerful. Um, you were talking about your family, and you were talking about how um, you know when you talk with your family that's Islamic, they tend to come back with the same kind of retorts, and I think that a lot of people can put christians in that way like they're this is what they're gonna tell me um you know the 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 joke is like we're gonna have the conversation about creating the world and somebody's gonna bring up well does a watch just randomly come together like and i watch these videos and it's not saying that those arguments aren't right it's just we live in a new time and nuanced and so it brings me back to this question why would i believe in god what is the credibility to Christianity that's at stake if we don't engage this question well?
1: So I think we're seeing it actually in, in the West, right? We, we look at church numbers in Europe. They have declined. We look at church numbers in uh, North America. And I do see, even if I don't see, uh, a, we're actually starting to see it in America, which is probably like, you know, they talk about this sociologically. America seemed to be the last country holding out in terms of high population of christian believers um but that's even that's starting to wane a little bit now because people are starting to look at things and say i just can't accept this anymore um what are we really looking for here though is again i go back to something i think was central which is what what does it mean to live in the world in which we live and how do i engage in the world in which i live how do i engage with the people around me and i do think that there are some technical answers that are available to answer all these questions the problem has been is we now live in a world which I call has, off uh, of science aside, because it, it's, it's the wrong term. The, the people use the word science, but what they really mean is we have technical advantage, right? We have technological advancements that somehow convince people that, wow, look how good we are. We can build, you know, uh, you know send up a... a Elon Musk can send up a rocket and bring it back. Wow, that's amazing, right? Uh, we have an iPhone or an Android phone that we can look up information. We have, you know, we have generative AI and so forth. And wow, look how great we are. We have we have medical science. That's amazing. We confuse this technical development as if somehow it is, it is the domain only of science and only of atheists, right? As if somehow that's the only way to think about it. And that is a mistaken thought as far as I'm concerned. What I see is is that these technical excellence is a function of how God created us from the beginning, which is to be exactly what people are doing on this podcast, being inquisitive, trying to understand, problem solving, and so forth. And this is really the model that's not surprisingly, that's why we have what we have, right? We have these evolved over time intellectually and changed over time because we continue to be inquisitive and trying to understand. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think that we sometimes confuse technical excellence, technological advancements for saying, well, there must be no God. I mean, that's quite a foolish conclusion to draw, but yet one drawn quite often.
0: Well, you know, the other thing is you talk about, um, this is something that's argued and I actually think it's important for us to bring up for this episode. You know, America is a Christian nation. Um, We don't have time to open up all of that can of worms, but a lot of the founding fathers are deists. So God is there, but God is distant. And I think even what I'm listening to hear you say is if, if you're rejecting the American Christianity, like there there's roots of this Christianity that says, yeah, there might be a God up there, but it's up to us to make the world better. Um, you know, so the technological advances, see, we don't need God to do this. And again, I, I think sometimes we're not, we're not,, um, we don't have the integrity because we didn't acknowledge that though our founding fathers valued Christianity, I mean, we're talking about Mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson that took out all of the miracles in the Bible to have us. So I don't think I'm that far off, but I think even what I'm hearing you say is a lot of this is the logical conclusions about how culture has been intertwined with Christianity. And we're just kind of living those logical conclusions out. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, you're, you're spot on there. Uh, it, it goes, a lot of what we've been talking about is intertwined in and of itself, right? The notion of technological advancement, the the culture that we live in, the place and the time, and so forth, right? You know, we will probably look back in a hundred years or two hundred years and say, "Wow, what were those people? What were those people doing? What would, what is surgery all about? Why was that necessary, right? Or people will be flying off to different parts of the universe and saying, you know, why did they get here sooner, right? This is amazing." Um, we this is a journey that we're on, and I think that we will see this evolution uh, over time. But again, this is what humans are, right? By definition, we are wanting to learn. We are wanting to know more. We question, and we grow, and we evolve. And and look, I'll give you the paradigm from science. I, I look, one of my top three books of all time is A Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn. Um, and, and basically, he says there was the original sort of... Uh, Ptolemaic view of science that were of the world, there became Newtonian science, and then there came Einstein's cosmology, and at a similar time, is, uh, you have uh, quantum mechanics. And each one of these paradigms, he's the person famous for coining the term paradigm shift, each one of these paradigms is basically a move from one worldview to another. And I think that's what we go through as human beings. We, we learn, we develop, we kind of work within the system and we say, well, this, isn't, this is, has too many problems. Let's jettison and go to another one. And that's how we improve and change over time. It's humans. We've been doing this from the beginning. There's nothing... Special about it in one way, but there's nothing wrong about it in the other hand, right? This is not a bad thing. Questioning, learning, growing, developing—if you're doing it um, uh, in a meaningful way, if you're doing it to, to get to an answer, I think you'll get there. Um, and we see the results of this on every level. We see it culturally. We see the language. We see the evolution in terms of our science and our technologies. Um, so yeah. So I think these are all intertwined and wrapped together.
0: So let's kind of close with these two. This has been a, a powerful conversation. And just like I, I referenced the article that I just uh about the testimony of the person that just came to know Jesus. Um, I, I think where I kind of want to go with this is you kept on saying that Christianity is transcendent. Um, mm-hmm. That is not something that as I talk with people that doubt and deconstruct that's not something that people think. I actually think there's a lot of people, well, Christianity is legalistic. Christianity doesn't change. Christian, When you talk about the transcendency of Christianity, even the transcendency of Jesus, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit more and how it affects this question and why would I believe in God?
1: So... There's a lot of muddled thinking in Christianity, right? And I think this is part of our problem. So I revert always back to what I call the Apostles' Creed for what I believe to be the fundamental statements about what it is to be a Christian. Um, And those are the fundamental building blocks for anything, right? The legalism that we are accused of or the hypocrisy that we're accused of, some of these things that we're accused of, honestly, I find them in the company I work for. I, I see them happening in other institutions. This is, this is what it means, unfortunately. It's endemic to humanity as well. It's systemic in who we are, unfortunately. Um, so yes, the church may reflect some of those bad behaviors. The church may do some of the wrong things, but companies I work in, sometimes I'm appalled at what I see happen or how things unfold and so forth or how decisions are made, right? Um, you know, they just have a better PR machine sometimes of, you know, a whitewashing what transpired. Um, governments do bad things, so to speak. So institutions are flawed by definition because human beings are flawed, right? Um, so when it comes down to Christianity, I stay focused on what I believe the central tenets because at the end of the day, Christianity is fundamentally not about dinosaurs. It is about Jesus Christ, the one who is the exact image of the father, as the writer of Hebrews said, right? And I think that to me is where I always want to stand. From that emanates these, you know, like the hub and spoke model, these emanations, these spokes out to different aspects. And they are a function of time and place sometimes, right? So, you know, I think, we have seen that be a positive influence and sometimes have some negative aspects. I agree, and I understand that. But I do think that the central teachings of Christianity are, without a doubt, right, honest, and true, and defensible in every way, shape, and form.
0: Mm. Wow. Um I can't wait to see you again in Jacksonville. Um, i supposed to be planning a trip. So next time, hopefully we're, n- we're not doing this over Riverside, but we're very thankful for that. So where yeah. I want to kind of close is um, we, we do a last segment, which is final remarks. Um, just kind of giving the last kind of thing to say. So the cool thing about that is I get to give some final remarks, but also mm-hmm. um, whatever I mess up, you can clean up. Does that sound good? Yeah
1: then I'll have to clean it up, but go ahead. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, so when, when Lindley and I started talking about doing this podcast and I think why this series, the credibility of Christianity, um, this definitely hits on the philosophical does Christianity fit? Um, so to speak, is it credible philosophically? And I think the question of why, um, why would I believe in God? Um, I don't have a ton of experience in other religions, so I'm gonna be careful and humble as I say this, but I find that when you meet people that love Jesus, like Linley Ali, um, like other individuals and other pastors and mentors and friends, that the confidence and humility of Christianity actually allows you to explore this question better than any other religion. And I think that that is kind of, I, I, Linley, I loved what you said is even in our process to deconstruct or doubt christianity we're using christian principles to do so and i don't want to use that as heavy-handed but i also think it's worth kind of noting loving our neighbors loving god that that how you answer this question why would i believe in god ultimately affects your life and i hope as a listener no matter where you are in your faith journey that this episode challenges you to really reflect on that because I think that that's kind of the point of this conversation is there are logical conclusions that aren't conclusive but there are logical conclusions to what you believe that I think it's important for you to be aware of to process
1: great Peter I totally agree
0: so uh, what are what are your kind of final uh, remarks based on this conversation
1: look I I think You know, we began with asking why would anyone believe, and I think that's an honest question. I think, you know, evaluating where you are, thinking of who you are in relation to others, in relation to God, is a legitimate concern, it's an important concern, and I think a meaningful and eternal concern as well, and I think i throw that in there. but listen, it's about an experience at the end of the day. It's not only an intellectual conversion. It is actually a what I call holistic conversion. Um, and uh, I, I think every aspect of my being is confident that Jesus Christ is the Savior, uh, that he is the one, that, that God has chosen him to be the expression of his love towards humanity. And um, I'm looking forward to that day when I see him.
0: Lindley if people are looking for you where can they find you and your podcast
1: okay again you can just go to apple podcast or spotify it's all everywhere in context theology readily available um and on there you'll find my contact information if you want more questions about about um want me to answer any other questions more than willing to do that by email um or some other you know capability as our technology evolves we have all these cool things so yeah
0: awesome. You can find us at whygotoypodcast.com. Click the subscribe button. You can get this episode and many other great ones from there. Thank you so very much.